Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, Andrew Shutsky. And with me today is Mike Morawski. Mike is a 30 plus year veteran of real estate, controlled over $285 million of transactions. He's an entrepreneur, an author, a real estate trainer, a public speaker, and a personal coach with a strong personal resilience and a deep desire to help others live an extraordinary life. Love that statement. He's coached hundreds and hundreds of real estate investors to fulfill their dreams. Really impressive individual. Really fortunate to have him on the show today. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Fantastic. So I cheated a bit. I got a, a little bit of background on his story. It's really, really cool. Um, lots of lots of stuff to dig into here. We'll kick right off. Mike, start off with your backstory. How'd you get into multifamily real estate? Yeah. Boy, that's interesting. You know, one of the things I've always lived by is that success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know something, go to somebody who's successful and you can learn from them. And so I was in the general contracting business in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. And boy, I'll tell you, it was crazy. And I was doing a lot of business. I had all these guys working for me and I was still swinging a hammer myself. Woke up one morning and I was just burned out, couldn't do it anymore, and decided to go in, take a year off, sold my business, took a year off, and did a couple of house hacks. And how old were you at this point? Oh, I was, uh, how old was I? Jeez, nobody's ever asked that. I, I, <laughs> it's always uh, good to have a point in time. Like, was this two years ago or was this 20 years ago, right? Yeah, no, this was 1988. Okay. So, I'm not telling you how old I was. A couple was. years back. 1988. Years back. <laughs> <laughs> um, All good. So, uh, yeah, it was like 1988. And uh, so I, took a, I sold the company and took a year off, tried to decide what I wanted to do. And my wife and I, at the time, we decided to do a couple of house hacks. So we bought a two flat. And I can remember this is long before it was sexy to house hack, right? Yep. Uh, it was a long time ago. She was screaming about the nails on the floor. And, uh, but we got through a couple of those. And during that process, I met a real estate agent that was really successful. And I said, I, th I think I want to go in the business. And he said, I think you'll be great at it. You've got qualities. You're personable. I think you like building relationships. You're going to be great at the business. I said, great. I said, could I come and shadow you and uh, work with your team? And he said, no. Absolutely not. He said, I'm going to make you a cassette tape. Now, this is worse than you asking me how old I was. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, uh, well, if I didn't, we would know anyway. The cassette, right. might as well have an eight track player in there, too. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, that was yeah. long before that. Yep. But, uh, I don't think you could find anything today to make a cassette tape on, much less listen to one on. And so uh, he made me this cassette tape. And here's the funny thing. He taught the basic fundamentals of how to go sell real estate on that cassette tape. I listened to it over and over and over again. I went into real estate. My first nine months in the business, I sold 78 houses. I was REMAX Rookie of the Year. 
I went on to build a team selling 125 homes a year um, because I mastered the fundamentals, the mastered the repetitious boredom. Woke up or um, I, uh, 2005, the market started to change. And I uh, decided that I was going to have to go do something else. So I'd always wanted to be in the apartment business because when I was in the construction business, I did a lot of work for a couple of large apartment syndicators in Chicago. And I understood the model. You know, you raise private equity, you marry it with a great real estate deal. As long as everything goes well, everybody's happy. I stay in the middle. We all make money. Well, I went into the apartment business 2005. I syndicated uh, $60 million worth of real estate. So I raised $18 million in 30 months, bought 4,000 apartments, built a property management company managing 7,500 units. And today I'm in the coaching and training space as a result of that. All right. So there's a, there's a bit between that, right? So that's, let's, pack out, let's unpack that a bit. So 4,000 units. 60 plus million in, in valuation, quite a, quite a bit, few, quite a few million there raised in capital. Uh, and then you go into coaching. So was that, was the idea going to coaching lessons learned or you're burned out from that? What happened in between? Yeah. Uh, great question. <laughs> um, 2008 uh, rolls around and, um, and I just want people to know that today where we are in the marketplace, I see shades of of 2007, 2006, um, I see us moving to a hyperinflation period where things are going to change and people are going to go, what happened? But 2008 rolls around. I'm having lunch with my CFO. I'd grown this company with 138 people working for me. And, um, you know, we're 4,000 units deep. I'm having lunch with my CFO and the news happened to be on and I was watching the news and they're carrying boxes out of Lehman Brothers by the dozens. And I looked at my CFO and I said, man, we're screwed, aren't we? He goes, yeah, we're in big trouble because the world went to hell. You know, you've got AIG, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, all the bad paper on Wall Street, the CNBC market that just collapsed, right? And as a result of that, we started to derail. I didn't, uh, didn't see it coming and I didn't pay attention to a lot of the details along the way. I bought all that real estate way too fast. I was very unstable. It was like I grew a company uh, where I was balancing on a chair on two legs, trying to lift my feet off the ground, right? It, very unstable. I was over leveraged. I was 85% uh, loan to value in most cases versus needing to be 70 or 75% loan to value. I um, didn't raise enough money. So along the way, I buried my head in the sand, didn't pay attention to details. And now, Andrew, I'm the kind of guy I hate to fail. And I hate to have to come to you and say, hey, we got a problem or there's an issue. Uh, so what I thought I could do was save the company. So what I started to do was move money from profitable companies to non-profitable. Now, remember, I had 38 different companies. So I went to my attorney and my accountant and I said, hey, what do I do? And I said, can I move money in between organizations? And they said, yes, as long as you leave a paper trail and pay an interest rate. So when the market comes back, put all the money back, right? So here's what I thought. 
I'd been involved in recessions in the past. Mm-hmm. I've seen the market change 10% last 17, 18 months, and then you bounce back. Well, this was different. This correction was 40%, lasted seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. And you know people are still affected by it today. But I moved all that money, and that wasn't necessarily the problem. The problem was I didn't tell my investors I was doing it. Mm. So I tried to be the hero, thinking that I could move everything and put it back, that everything would be fine and, and people would be safe. Well, I wound up being in charge on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison for non-disclosure. So, you know, I never changed my lifestyle. I didn't fly private. I didn't buy big boats or houses or cars. I tried, I plowed all the money back into the business. Matter of fact, you know, uh, put a bunch of cash in the bank during that 30 months when we were growing the business, put about a million dollars cash in the bank and I had probably paper equity of about 14 more million. And all of a sudden when the market changed, it was gone like that overnight and um, plowed all that money back into the company and saw that the market shifted like that. So I get sentenced to uh, uh, this prison term and um, go to prison. (laughs) And I was gone for about seven and a half years, came back and served another, you know, a year, 10 months on home confinement. But what's funny about it is when I went to prison, I thought my life was over. And I thought this is the worst things could ever possibly get in your life. And, you know, I was gone about 17 days and my wife decided she was going to divorce me. So she told me she was going to divorce me and it ruined me, absolutely wrecked me. So, so you can imagine, or maybe you can't, I don't know, but you go from this place. I lived this little upper class, middle lifestyle. Like I said, never flew private, didn't buy big boats or houses. And I go from this living in suburbia, um, being the baseball coach, being the soccer coach, being home most nights for dinner, you know, having a great marriage to all of a sudden I'm living in a 12 by 12 room with three men. I don't know, living out of a two by five locker, got three green outfits, five pairs of underpants, wondering what the hell happened to my life. Oh my gosh. So I'm in prison about six weeks and you want me to keep going? Absolutely. This is, this is huge. This is huge. I'm in prison about six weeks and um, this guy walks up to me and he goes, Hey, and, and I have to tell you that there were guys around me that wanted to take my shoelaces because they were worried for my safety Mm -hmm. because I was in such bad shape. I cried for 18 months. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Um, but this guy walked up to me in the gym and he goes, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take from you everything you've got. They can take your apartments. They can take your houses. They can take your companies. They can turn your family inside out, but what they can't take is who you are. They can't take what you know, your knowledge, your experience, your wisdom. They can't take what helped you grow those companies that you grew that were successful. He goes, you get that back. He goes, look, change who you are right now. Start today, come to this gym every day, start working out, start feeling better physically. As you feel better physically, you'll feel better mentally. 
best advice anybody's ever given me. This guy was 20 years younger than me and gave me this advice. I started going to his class. I started working out. I was 35 pounds overweight. I came home in better shape physically than I'd ever been in my life. I, I started working out, feeling better, decided to go to college. I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree in theology. Took me four years to do that. I, I wrote two books while I was gone. One's called Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan Before You Buy. I'd love to give a copy to your uh, listeners before the, you know, the end of the show. And uh, I wrote a book on property management. I taught real estate investing, property management, Bible studies for five years, but I also wrote an ethics course and I taught ethics for five years. I was on an outreach program, went into the community. I told my story to small business owners, local area uh, merchants and, and the college students around the area. Did that for um, 40 times and met a professor from the University of Minnesota. And we co-authored a paper together that got published uh, in January this year in the Business Journal of Ethics and gets taught at the collegiate level. So sales and marketing, forensic accounting classes is all use this paper and they teach it for a student education program. So I did a lot. You know, there's a saying in prison that says, hey, you can either do the time or let the time do you. And I chose to do the time. I chose to um, be specific about what I was going to do. And so today, you know, I come home and I'm in the coaching and training space. I started a, a training company to help people scale their business, but to do it ethically, to do it methodically, to, to live a more balanced lifestyle. You know, it's so easy in this business to forget about what's really important and to get out of sync, to get too busy and let other people's uh, demands on your time really cause issues. So I just, uh, I, I mentioned that because I want to be there and help somebody today who I can, can help uh, to grow and um, scale their business and do it better. Man, I, I was just trying to shut up for as long as I could and just let that go. That was mind blowing, man. I mean, there's a lot of, I'll go back to a couple of things in a second, but there's a lot of coaches out there, a lot of multifamily mentors out there, you know, some good, some not as good. But very few have a backstory like yourself. I can think of a few others who went through such, you know, great heights and, and lows, maybe like a Rod Khalif, but you don't hear often as many as impactful as that. So firstly, that was awesome. <laughs> I want to go back to a couple of key points. I took some notes as you were talking, particularly about some of the lessons learned. And I think this kind of plays into your purpose. And later in life, you've got a lot more of these, but you talked about a couple of things. One is the, the obvious being over leveraged. And I think Thankfully, you know, lenders today are a lot, lot more cautious than they were back then. You talked about 85% loan to value, you know, most of the stuff, you know, we're involved in 65, 70, 75. So naturally, I think the banks are more selective um, on the refi side or purchase. So that that's that's okay. And we can navigate around that. You hit on one thing that I think I see a lot of, you know, newer syndicators, investors, you know, going too fast too soon. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What does that mean? What does that look like to you? Yeah, you know, that's that's really interesting that you bring that up because I think it's really important today that that people slow down and pay attention. I went way too fast, right? I bought in 2007 I bought 17 deals for 27 uh 27 
was like 22 or 2,700 units. It was an amazing amount of real estate in a short period of time, but it, we went from, from being a vertically built company to all of a sudden doing this because we were so top heavy because mm-hmm. we didn't stabilize anything. I think that as an owner operator today, you have to pay attention to all the metrics, underwrite conservatively and, and think things through. Okay. I, I could underwrite a deal today at a five cap, but is that really where it's going to be? I don't know. Yeah. Is it going to be five and a half or six? I don't know. We can't speculate. Listen, I can underwrite a deal today and show my rent growth at 5%. But really, is that where it's going to be two years, three years, five years from now? I don't know. Hard to, hard to sustain that, right? It's, I, it's, are the odds in your favor? Yeah. No. Here, I just underwrote a deal in Chicago. And, and nationally, the rent growth today is 3.7%. And in Chicago, in the collar counties around where Chicago is, the rent growth has is, is been about 1.7%. So, you know, don't just look at national numbers. Look at the, the metrics in, in the market you're in, the submarket you're going into, and, you know, be a slave to them because that's the only way that you're going to grow and, and, and learn how to do the business better. I like to think of it too. Actually, it's funny you bring this up. We had a conversation this weekend with some friends and, and they're also investors and we're thinking about, okay, yeah, this is great. We're riding the wave of this rent growth, but what about wages? What about the people renting? And you know, how long can they afford, afford to sustain these three, four or five, 6% hikes when their wages are growing at one or 2% or 3% at best, right? Is that yeah. sustainable? Right. Think about who's paying it and, and can they, and the demographics and, and their jobs and their families, can they, can they sustain it? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is when you look at things today in the marketplace, like um, uh, the cost of goods, you know, I, so I have a, I have a, a contractor buddy who is buying, you know, here's his model, right? He buys these old city bungalows in specific neighborhoods, tears the top off of them and puts an addition on them, puts them back on the market, makes a, a really nice living doing it. But the other day I was with him and he says, hey, you see this one here? My lumber cost was $16,000. This one here, my lumber cost was 38000 How long can a guy go like that? You know, where's the demand? So um, you've got to pay attention to the economics. You have to play, pay attention to supply and demand in order to see what tomorrow's market looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to come back to one other thing. You talked about you're obviously an accomplished author and you've got a lot of meat and experience behind that. Tell us more about this free ebook you mentioned. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I wrote a book called Exit Plan. And, you know, I've always subscribed to the um, philosophy start with the end in mind. I read, wrote, read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, a number of years Great ago. Book. Great book. Chapter two is begin with the end in mind. And for some reason that always made an impact in my life. So it occurred to me one day that I go to these seminars and I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and education and seminars and books and tapes. And listen, let's fact check it. Okay. Cause people go, yeah, right. You know, you didn't spend that much money. Sure I did. And I spent equally as many hours, 
But if you just look at one-on-one coaching at $1,000 a month for 20 years, I'll let the listeners do the short math on it. And you'll see how much that comes out to. But I would always walk away from these things feeling kind of empty, like I'm missing something, right? And it occurred to me one day that people taught us how to buy deals, how to get in them, how to find them, how to operate them. But nobody taught us how to get out. Nobody was teaching the exit, right? Or the strategies to put in place to understand the exit, to know before you ever get to the closing on the purchase side, what the exit should look like. So think things through, look at tomorrow. What's the end gonna be like? If I make this choice or decision today, what's it gonna be like in five years, six years from now? So exit planning is, a, is my, is, is birthed out of the fact that, you know, I need to know where my profitability margin is. And it doesn't always mean just selling out of a property, you know, exiting, you think, oh, I'm going to sell it. Well, not necessarily. There's ways to exit and not relinquish control and to really capitalize on your profitability. So how do we go ahead and how do we find that? Oh, yeah. Great question. Uh, Go to my website at mycoreintentions.com and it's forward slash exit plan. And you can download a free uh, ebook there. And let me warn the listeners, right? It is a book. I had somebody say to me the other day, my God, this is 260 pages. (laughs) I said, it's a freaking book. What'd you think? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I said, it's not a little uh, 12 pager. No. So. Awesome. And, and if someone's interested in learning more, you've obviously got a huge amount of value to offer. You sounds like you found your calling. How do we find out more about your coaching information? Yeah. Um, listen, if you want to schedule a free coaching call, I'm huge about helping people. So go to my website. You can uh, uh, schedule a free coaching call there. Uh, we'll, we'll get some clarity on you and on your business. If you just want to meet with me and talk with me, pick my brain. You can reach me at Mike at mycoreintentions.com. I am loud on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, find me, like me, love me. And, uh, you know, I have a couple podcasts, so you can always say, uh, hey, Alexa, play Insider Secrets. So there you uh, go. Phenomenal, man. That, what, a, what a great story. I'm so glad you're able to come on and share with us. So thanks so much for joining. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come. 